take our Bibles this evening and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 11. The book of Acts this evening. Of course, we're studying the book of Revelation. We've gotten to chapter 20. And uh, we're going to, of course, the next couple of Sunday nights are going to be different, really, throughout the remainder of this, this month. Next Sunday night will be the Children's Christmas Program. That's just a wonderful event. Uh, make it a part of your Christmas celebration. I hope that you do. You can bring friends and family and be here as a family. It's just a fun time. You'll want to arrive early. There'll be a few more people on that night. And then the following Sunday night is the, the Christmas Cantata, and the choir will be putting that on. There'll be some actors and a storyline, and also Christmas theme. And then, of course, Christmas Eve on the 24th, we're not going to have an evening service that night. And so, uh, so I've changed things up a little bit tonight as we uh, get launched into this month of hustle and bustle and uh, all the fun things that go on. Have you been looking ahead at your schedule for the month? Is it busy or no? You got nothing going? No, it's busy. You probably don't know how to fit it all in, and you're thinking, this is supposed to be restful and relaxing and enjoyable, and how am I going to make it enjoyable? You might even be wondering about that. Um, tonight, I want to bring a challenge to you, and it actually fits in quite well with what's been going on on the platform this evening. Um, uh, a challenge on to, to be an encourager throughout the month of December. Now, we should be an encourager throughout every month, right, all 12 uh, however, especially, I want to encourage you as your pastor to be an encourager to people around you, people whose paths you cross uh, throughout the month of December. And sometimes it's easy to get caught up in the hustle and bustle of things, and, and we're getting things done, we're getting things out of the oven, we're getting shopping, we're marking off those lists. And, uh, and sometimes we can snap at each other and be a little grumpy and I want to challenge you, don't allow yourself to go fall into that, but be an encourager. It's kind of like Pastor Tolman tonight uh, when he mentioned to all of you, remain standing because you're going to have plenty of time to sit later tonight. You know, I mean, that was just encouraging to me. And, and I thought, you know, this fits so well into the message for tonight. But no, actually, I, I love giving you a hard time, but it fits well. Uh, thank you for the segue into the message. I, I appreciate that. I can remember um, when I was in college uh, playing basketball, and uh, for a couple of years at a college in Wisconsin, I had not made the varsity team, but I had made the junior varsity team. And, uh, you know, that's like, that's, that's not good, you know. I mean, there are those who wouldn't make the junior varsity team, but who wants to make the JV team? Now, if you're on one of those, it's okay, all right? But, uh, but for me, I, that was not my goal. And I was falling short of what I wanted for myself. And um, I can remember one of the other guys, and he was a very good athlete. He played on the varsity squad. His name was Dan. And, uh, you know, Dan would get together with me. We'd play, we'd play one-on-one. We'd rebound in, in each other's shots and, and for each other while we practiced shooting. Sometimes we'd lift some weights together. Uh, things like that. But I can remember Dan Chapman being a very a real encourager to me. And, uh, and he, he imagined what it must have been like to be in my shoes, and he knew what my goals were and my aspirations were, and he would encourage me through different actions that he would take. 
Uh, it's been a little while now, probably about 10 years ago, I remember meeting uh, and becoming friends with an individual out in Connecticut. He was a businessman, and he, had, he has five children. Uh, I think uh, three or four of them are now have, are either in college or through college. And when I first met him, though, his children were not, you know, they were in junior high and some in elementary and, and uh, I think one in high school. And, and I can remember David uh, coming to me, and at the time I think I only had a, a couple, or maybe just Ian was born, so it must have been about nine years ago or eight years ago. And uh, I think I had Ian and Tori, and I remember David coming up to me, and David was a very successful individual, and I remember we'd go out and play golf or something like that, and David would encourage me, uh, and he would, he would compliment me. He would look for areas in my life to compliment me about. Um, you know, and and I could never, I'll never forget him saying something about, hey, you're doing a great job caring for your wife. Sometimes husbands, we don't think about if we're doing a great job or not. Loving our wives like Christ loves the church. Just going through life, you know, I provided a house and, and I'm there for her and, and we don't take time to care. And, and he, he noticed some details and he, he encouraged me, complimented me in some ways with my children. Hey, you're doing a great job. Um, and, you know, I don't know how he could tell if, if I was making headway at that time when Ian's two. But, but somehow he was looking for opportunities to encourage me. This past year, a, a gentleman died out in... Pennsylvania, uh, Andy Fisher is his name. Andy had been saved out of the Amish church uh, years ago when he was a teenager, I think, and had grown up in uh, being an Amishman and and into an Amish family. But Andy received Lord Jesus Christ and really was excommunicated out of the Amish church. And uh, he he, he, he was married and he had a family and Years ago, it, it, maybe 13 years ago or something like that, uh, I met Andy while I was preaching at a church in Pennsylvania. And he was an older man then. And uh, he probably uh, in his early 80s at that point or late 70s. And, and Andy came up to me afterwards and he said, there's just something about you and I'm not going to forget you and I'm going to pray for you every week. And, uh, you know, I shook his hand and thank you, you know, and went on with my life and Years later, I came back to that church, and Andy Fisher came up to me, and he said, I pray for you every Tuesday. You're on my prayer list, and every Tuesday, when I pray, I pray for Seth Ferguson. And uh, he said, can I have your phone number? And there were times Andy would call me, even up to this past year before he died, he would call me, and he would tell me he was praying for him. He'd ask me how things were going. How are you doing? How's your marriage doing? Are you taking good care of Cindy? How are the kids doing? How's the church? You're not preaching too long, are you? He would ask that, and, and you're all very sorry that he's not with the Lord. Um, but, but he would ask that, and he would encourage me. He would encourage me. Um, uh, Valeria Leinbach, out in Pennsylvania as well, and she's in her 90s. Occasionally, she'll leave me these voicemails, and they're not short. And she'll, she'll quote scripture. Or she'll read a passage of scripture to me on the phone. And that's all it is. Just a verse. And sometimes she'll say, I'm praying for you and Cindy and the kids. We love you. Stay true. And, and that'll be all it is. Something like that. But it's great to be around encouragers. It, it's something we all need. We all need encouragers. There are people in this room who are great encouragers to me. By your example. By your faithfulness. With your words. 
by your actions, by staying at it, even when I can see you're facing opposition. And I want to encourage you tonight to be an encourager. And I want you to, I want you to put it in the forefront of your mind for this month. I want you to be an encouragement to your wife or to your husband, to your children. Children, I want you to be an encouragement to your mom and your dad. And, and there's somebody in the Bible, there's a Bible character in the Bible, and a man who's, who, who is, his name means the son of consolation. Uh, in other words, this man was an encourager. And we can look at his life and we can actually get an idea of what really is necessary, what is really needed in our lives if we're going to be an encourager. So you're in Acts chapter 11. Let me begin by reading in verse 22. I'll read down through verse number 26. Acts chapter 11, beginning in verse 22, down through verse number 26. The man's name is Barnabas, and uh, it's a good name. It's not one that's used all that often today. Verse 22, it says this, Then tidings of these things came into the, under the ears of the church which was in Jerusalem, and they sent forth Barnabas that he should go as far as Antioch, who when he came and had seen the grace of God and was, uh, and was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. For he was a good man, speaking of Barnabas, and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. He's full of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. We talked about Saul this morning. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. I want to notice three character traits tonight of a person who is an encourager. You know, it's one thing, when we think of what it takes to be an encourager, we might, off the top of our head, think, you know, you've got to say nice things, you know. Okay, sure, that, might, that could be used, but that's not one of the foundational things. Um, well, you've got to smile. You know, you can't go around with a big frown in your face, you know. I tend to be a serious individual. You know, I, I worked for a guy once, and he said, Seth, stop furrowing your brow. Stop it. Stop. You know, he would say... <laughs> And, I, and that's just, you know, I smile and my brow furrows, you know. I get a present I like at Christmas and my brow furrows. It's just a natural furrowing that takes place. Some of you are like me in that way. I won't point at anybody. Some of, some of us are brow furrowers. Um, so, so smile, sure, that's a great thing. But what are some of the biblical principles that we can gain by looking at this man's life uh, that will help us to be encouragers? I want to be an encourager, don't you? Do you, do you enjoy being encouraged? Two of you. All right. So don't worry about the people in this room. They don't care about encouragement. Find somebody else. You know, be an encourager. All right, let's, let's pray together, and then we'll look at this man's life. Lord, help us, I pray tonight, as we look at this man's life, the life of Barnabas. And um, as best I know, Lord, you didn't use him to write down any scripture. Um, Father, I, I don't read about him preaching uh, sermons, at least they're not recorded in your word, sermons that he preached. But Lord, this man had a tremendous influence on, on people who loved you. And, and you. and you used him to help others. And Lord, I pray that that would be us in this room throughout this month as we interact with family and friends and uh, relatives. Father, I just pray you'd help us to be encouragers to one another. I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.
Now, Barnabas was an encourager, and, and the, his name means son of consolation. And let's look briefly at three characteristics of his life that I think will be a help to us tonight. Uh, number one, uh, an encourager is somebody who gives to God. Okay. Uh, now, this is just, I've, I've boiled it down to three basic truths about an encourager. An encourager is somebody who gives to the Lord. Are you, are, could your life be characterized as giving? Now, whenever I say the word giving, immediately we want to talk about, maybe your mind runs to money. Well, no, there's more than we can give than money. Okay, we can. Uh, one of the ladies in our Sunday school class this morning, I said, hey, do you have all your Christmas shopping done? She said, well, hey, my grandchildren have made it easy on me. They don't want anything except for money. <laughs> so she says, that's what I give them. I get cards and I put money in it and that's what I give to them. And I thought, okay, well, hey, you're done then. You know, you're, you're done. Uh, but we can give. We can give of our time. We can give of talents and abilities. And I can't help but notice as I look at Barnabas' life that, that he was somebody who gave. Uh, look with me in Acts chapter 4, would you? Turn there. Acts chapter 4. You're in the book of Acts, so it's not far. We're going to look at several passages tonight out of the book of Acts. Book, the book of Acts chapter 4. One of the most well-known Bible verses in all of the Bible would be John chapter 3 and verse 16. Uh, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God didn't give money. What did he give? He, he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him, in Christ, should not perish, but have everlasting life. So... Uh, when we think of giving, God gave his son. His son, Jesus Christ, gave his life. Uh, giving is one of the foundational pillars of, of, of a Christian life. It's really impossible for you and for me to follow Jesus Christ and not be giving. It really is. It's really impossible. Uh, we could say, you know, I'm a follower of Christ, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold back my abilities. I'm going to hold back my time. I'm going to hold back my treasure for me. That, does any of what I just said reflect Jesus holding back? No, it doesn't. Uh, and so Christianity is, in large part, is all about giving. And believers who truly desire to follow Christ are going to be involved in sacrificial giving. Barnabas is really, I think, a wonderful example of someone who was willing to give to God. He was generous. Uh, he was generous both with material wealth in his life as well as measurable, measurable things of his life like time and energy and reputation and personal influence. And we're going to see those things here tonight. But I want you to, I want you to see there in Acts chapter 4, it's just really obvious that Barnabas gave of his wealth to God. He, he was an encourager. An encourager gives unto the Lord. Notice in Acts chapter 4 and verse 36, and look with me. We're looking at the word of God here. I want you to see it. It's very plain. Acts chapter 4 and verse number 36. The Bible says, And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas, so we're talking about Barnabas here, the Bible is, which is being interpreted the son of consolation, a Levite, uh, so he's a Jewish man, a Hebrew, of the tribe of Levi, and of the country of Cyprus. 
Notice verse 37, having land, he had land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. Now, I can't make that up. There's nothing I can do to twist that passage of Scripture, is there? Uh, What is very plain is that Barnabas sold his land and gave the money to the apostles to be used to further Christ's kingdom. Barnabas exchanged the temporal. He could have done a lot of other things with that land, I'm sure. He could have done a lot of other things with that money, I'm sure. But he chose to exchange the temporal for the eternal. An encourager is a giver. They're giving. An encourager doesn't withhold his wealth from God. Now, if you know the word of God at all, you know that it would be uh, it is right and wise to save. I've, I've taught what the Bible teaches about money. You ought to save. There are times when you ought to invest. There are times where you, 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 need to, you, you always need to work for it. You need to work. Um, you ought to give. And, it, and God gives wealth into all of our, he entrusts into all of our care in different amounts for different people, not for us to look at others and covet what someone else has and be discontent with what we have, but he gives us what he's given us so that we can be good stewards with it, to live and to give. Um, and all of those things are biblical truths. Uh, an encourager doesn't withhold his wealth from God. Matthew chapter 6 and verse 21, listen to what the Bible says. Jesus said, but lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through or steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And we've talked about this. It's been a couple years now, but it's where our treasure is that determines where our heart is. You say, my heart's not in the right place. And, and, and I've been there where I've desired things more than I've desired God. Something. You know, and it always changes, doesn't it? It was a pair of Air Jordans when I was in high school. If I only had a pair of Air Jordans, I'd be happy. Well, frankly, I don't really care if I have a pair of Air Jordans right now. A pair of work boots might be nice, but a pair of Air Jordans don't really... You know what I'm saying? Things change that we desire, uh, uh, that we want. So it's where our treasure is that determines where our heart will be. Uh, Barnabas' heart was where, where God was and for God's kingdom. And to be an encourager, we need to trust God and we need to be giving. And we ought to give biblically. Don't be manipulated by people. Don't just throw some coinage in a Salvation Army pot to make yourself feel better. You or I shouldn't do that. We ought to give according to the word of God and biblically. There are plenty of people out there who are willing to take, okay? Um, listen, we ought not be one of those folks, but, neither, but, but our giving, our giving ought to be led by the Lord and by his word. And we ought to give according as unto the Lord. Uh, I also noticed that in, an encourager uses his influence for the Lord. You're in the book of Acts. Turn over to Acts chapter 9 in verse 26. The book of Acts chapter 9 in verse number 26. And we're still, we're still talking about how an encourager gives to God, and, and that affects what he's entrusted into our care. And, and in Barnabas' situation, it actually affected him monetarily. He sold a piece of property, and he gave it to the apostles so that they could use it for the furthering, furtherance of the kingdom of God. 
But here in Acts chapter 9, in verse number 26 and 27, we see that an encourager, in Barnabas at least, he used his influence for the Lord. You know, I can use my influence for a lot of different things. You can use your influence. I can use my influence for personal things. Um, but, but Barnabas was an encourager, and he actually uses his influence for the Lord. Uh, Acts chapter 9, in verse number 26 and 27 says this. And when Saul... Now, that's the Pharisee of the Pharisees, you remember. We talked about him at length this morning in Ephesians 3. It says, And when Saul was come to Jerusalem, he essayed to join himself to the disciples. He tried to join with the disciples, the followers of Christ, but they were all afraid of him and believed not that he was a disciple. Now, you tell me, and go ahead and answer me on this, why were the followers of Jesus, and those would have been people who were saved, baptized and meeting together with the local church. So these are people that should have been loving, right? They should be loving and they should be welcoming. Why why did none of them trust Saul? Somebody tell me, why didn't the church trust Saul? Persecution in what way? He had. He was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had literally... He would, he would go and find believers, and he would take men with him. He would find churches. He would arrest the believers, and he would throw them into prison, and some he would kill. And then Saul, you remember, received the Lord Jesus Christ as his personal Savior, and his life changed. And so when his life changed, he went from trying to hunt down and kill Christians, he changed to wanting to join with them, because He went from, he had rejected Christ, now he had received Christ, and he wanted to follow Christ. Well, when you want to follow Christ, what do you do? You want to gather together with with other people who are following Christ. So Saul desires strongly to join with this church, these disciples, to follow Christ, and they don't believe him. They don't want anything to do with him. Would you have? Would I have? (laughs) Come right on in. Have you ever been to church before? Well, yeah, uh, the last three I actually imprisoned and killed some of them. Come right in, have a seat. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I get where these disciples were at. They weren't all that thrilled with this. But notice the influence of Barnabas in verse number 27. But Barnabas took him and brought him to the apostles and declared unto them how he, Saul, had seen the Lord in the way and that he, had, that he, Jesus, had spoken to Saul, and how he had preached, Saul had preached boldly at Damascus in the name of Jesus. Listen, Barnabas had an influence. I, I named for you this morning, during the sermon, the books of the New Testament that God used, the man whose name had been Saul, who God had changed his name to Paul. God used Paul to write down much of the New Testament books. We talked this morning, we saw it from Ephesians, that God had entrusted into Saul's care a mystery. And it, well, the mystery was the local church, Jews and Gentiles in one body, saved, forgiven of their sins, indwelt by the Spirit of God, the temple of God, in one body, the body of Christ, Christ as our head, worshiping him alone, Jews and Gentiles. God had entrusted those truths into Saul's care. But there was a time when Saul of Tarsus, newly saved, went to go meet with disciples to learn of the Lord Jesus Christ with them. And they said, I'm sorry, you're not welcome. 
They didn't trust him at all. They didn't trust him at all, and understandably so. But there was a man named Barnabas who didn't pen down, to the best of my knowledge, a single book in the Bible, who got a hold of Saul and said, come with me. I want, to, I want you to meet some people. This is Peter, and, and here's, here's John. This is Matthew. And they talked to him, and he talked to them. And Barnabas did most of the talking, according to the Bible, and, and he told the apostles, this man's a born-again child of God. His life is different. And he, yes, he used to persecute believers, and he used to hate Jesus Christ, but he believes in him alone today. And we need to accept him into the, into the local church. And they believed him. They believed him. He had a tremendous influence. And I want you to know that you might not, you might not have the opportunities. Barnabas didn't have the opportunities in some, to some, in some ways that Paul had. Barnabas never wrote down any books of the Bible. But Barnabas had different opportunities, and he was an encouragement. He was an encourager, and he used his influence to help Saul, the apostle Paul, become who he would become. That is, that is really a powerful truth. And I want you to know in this room, you have tremendous opportunity to be an influence on others, to be an encourager for others. You know, we, we look around, and on a night like tonight, we... You look around, everybody looks nice, you know, it's, the auditorium's beautiful, all Christmassy, we sang all the Christmas carols. And in the room tonight, most, most likely, I don't know, I don't know if anybody has a care, a heavy burden they're bearing, I don't know, I can't see it on any of your faces, okay. But most likely in this room, there's somebody who's just struggling. Have you ever been there where you're singing the hymn, you know, and nobody else is emotional at all, but, you know, you're kind of fighting back tears. You've got to swallow deep a little bit, you know, because you just got a lot of pressure going on in your life. And the, re- the truth is we can look around the auditorium and everybody looks fine, but the reality is if we were to look around the auditorium, you and I need encouragement. And what I'm saying is don't hesitate to use your influence to be an encourager. Ah, uh, you know, what if, what if Barnabas had said, you know what, I'm just too busy. I've got to get the garden in, you know, or I haven't, haven't got my Christmas shopping done yet for the year. Now, we know that wasn't his excuse. It didn't cross his mind, of course. But, but, but what if Barnabas had been too busy when the disciples of Christ, the local churches, rejected Saul? What, what would have happened? Well, I'm just, theor- right, it's hard to, it's difficult to theorize. But what if it happened if, if Saul if Barnabas hadn't had enough time to be an encouragement to Saul and say, hey, you come with me. There's some people I want you to meet. I'm going to take you to the apostles. <laughs> he wasn't. And, and you know what? You have tremendous opportunity. And I can't go into detail even here in this room tonight, but there are people in this room who have been a tremendous encouragement to me. Tremendous encouragement. And, and probably to some degree you have no idea how much of an encouragement you've been to me. Hmm. We need to encourage each other. Don't hold back your encouragement. Use your influence to be a blessing, uh, to be a blessing to others. An encourager gives to God. An encourager uses his influence for God. Uh, Barnabas gave financially. He gave influentially. He was an encourager. What, what, what has God given you? I can ask you that. What has God given you? Are you sacrificially using it for him? 
C.S. Lewis put it well when he said this, I'm afraid biblical charity is more than merely giving away that which we could afford to do without anyway. I think he's right. Biblical charity, Christ-like giving, is more, sacrificial giving, biblical Christ-like giving, is more than giving what we didn't really need anyway. It really is. So think about those things, be an encourager. Uh, I, I noticed he was an encourager. An encourager gives to God. Secondly, an encourager serves the saints. Look back with me to our text, chapter 11. We're close by. Chapter 11, and notice with me in verse 23. Chapter 11, verse number 23. An encourager serves the saints. Serve one another. So we're to encourage one another, but we're to serve one another as well. Verse number 23 of Acts chapter 11 says this. Who, when he came and had seen the grace of God, was glad, talking about Barnabas here, and exhorted them, encouraged them all, that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. Then look down to verse number 25 and 26. He says this, Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people... And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. Now the same mindset, the same mindset that will lead us to be generous with our finances and influence will lead us to be generous with our time. It will lead us to be generous with our abilities. We who are saved are to be followers of Christ. We're to be servants of Christ. And I, I want to ask you are, you, are you truly following Christ? Are you... Uh, that's a very serious question. Are, are you following Christ? And only you can answer that. The old hymn says, Oh, to be like the blessed Redeemer. Oh, to be like thee. Do we really want that? Hmm, that's a good question. I mean, the whole month of December is dedicated to celebrating the birth of Jesus, right? This, this babe, uh, a human being, a, a boy... A baby boy born of Mary in Bethlehem. And we all know, based upon the word of God, that it wasn't just any old baby boy that was born. Which any baby boy that's born is a time for celebration. And any baby girl that's born is a time for celebration. But this just wasn't any, any, any baby that was born. This was, this was God in human flesh. Born to die. And, and we... And, and the whole, the whole season of December is dedicated, it's around, Christmas dominates. Uh, and we know that it's not just about the shopping and the sales and the food and the get-together. And, and we love a lot of that stuff, but it's about this Jesus Christ, the Christ being born. And oh, to be like thee, blessed Redeemer. Do we really want to be like him? Willing to give up. So much to meet a need. Willing to give up so much to do the will of his father. That's a sobering question. It really is. An encourager serves the saints. Is that the desire of our hearts? Um, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. That's why Jesus Christ came. Matthew 20 and verse 26, it says, But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your servant. Let him be your minister. 
And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, Jesus didn't come so other people would serve him, but he came to minister, he came to serve, and to give his life. That's why he came a ransom for many. Should a follower of Jesus Christ be willing to serve? Because Barnabas' life illustrates Christ to you and to me. His ministry wasn't all about him, but about being a blessing to those around him. I can do better in this area, personally. I can do a better job being an encourager. I can do a better job being a blessing to those around me. I can. Can you? I think we can. Serving. Uh, An encourager serves the saints. Serving the saints means exhorting the saints. Look back at verse number 23 and see how he exhorts them. He encourages them. Who, when he came, talking about Barnabas, and had seen the grace of God, he saw what God was doing in their hearts and their lives, he was glad and exhorted them all that with purpose of heart they would cleave unto the Lord. And so you see what, what, what Barnabas does here. He comes to this church and he sees what God's doing in their midst. And I can tell you that God is doing some incredible things within the body of Trinity Baptist Church. There are some miraculous things happening. There really are. Not without opposition. Oh, the devil's still hard at work. But there are some incredible, miraculous things happening. And, and, and you know, Barnabas took time to notice those things. And it made him glad, the Bible says. When you and I see God at work, it ought to make us really happy. We ought to be encouraged. We ought to be, it ought to be exciting to us. We ought not just be like, oh, wow, that's, that's good. Hey, what's for dinner? Or, hey, what, oh, that, that's good. You know, God's doing something over there. That's good. Hey, what, what, what's on TV? You know, get on with my, my life all about me. Uh, no, Barnabas, it made him glad. And he began to encourage the saints, to exhort them heartily to cleave to God. You know, and, and you know what that tells me? They needed some exhortation. They needed some encouragement. Sometimes we see God working in people's lives, and we just kind of look at them and shake their hand. Thank you for being here, brother. And we just kind of move on with our lives. And you know what they need? They need you to encourage them with all your heart. Hey, you cleave to God. You don't give up. You don't give up on God. He'll never give up on you. How are you doing? Is there anything I can do to help you? Is there anything I can do? Can I pray for you? Hey, we'll see you next Wednesday. We'll see you next Sunday. Might be a text. You see what I'm saying? God used Barnabas. He used him. He wasn't an apostle. Who who is this guy? We don't don't know anything about him, really, other than he he was a servant, and he encouraged believers. That's what he did. Uh, serving the saints means encouraging one another. Look again at verse 20, or look first verse 24. Verse 24, this is a wonderful verse. He says, for he was a good man. This is his character. He was a good man, full of the Holy Ghost. That is, he was, he said yes when the Holy Spirit of God spoke, okay? And he was a man of faith. You see that there? He, he took God at his word, and much people was added unto the Lord, under the church, Okay? More people followed the Lord as a result of this man's life. Who is he? He's a good man. He's full of the Holy Spirit of God. And uh, he takes God at his word. And God used Barnabas for people to follow the Lord. 
You can do that. You can be a man like Barnabas. Uh, Serving the saints means encouraging one another. Look again at verse number 25 and verse 26. Then departed Barnabas to Tarsus for to seek Saul. He's still working in Saul's life years after, or some time after, I should say. He, He reached out to him the first time. Verse 26. And when he had found him, he brought him unto Antioch. And it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people. And the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You know, Barnabas loved the unlovely. Uh, we all need encouragement, but Barnabas loved those that were unlovely. There would have been very few people who would have, who would have wanted anything to do with Saul of Tarsus without feeling, without struggling with feelings of animosity. I imagine that Barnabas probably knew by name some of the people, some of the Christians who had been put to death by Saul. I imagine that Barnabas probably knew some of the families that had been torn apart, the Christian families who had been part of the churches and had been growing in the Lord and the truth, and they were faithful even when persecution of Saul was coming upon the church, and yet they persevered, and those things would have encouraged Barnabas' heart, and yet Saul comes in and destroys families and destroys churches. I imagine that Barnabas probably knew some of those people. And it would have been easy to have been like, you know, Saul, I'm glad you're saved, but whew, I, I don't know. I mean, I think, I think we could even go here uh, to help us understand what kind of a challenge this might have been. Um, I've had people before ask me, do you think God would save Adolf Hitler? Well, I don't think he was saved, I can tell you that. But, but, you know, some, some people, it actually kind of gets us the wrong way that God would even save them. Like, they don't deserve that, and then I'm reminded that we didn't deserve it either. But, but Saul was that kind of an individual. Wickedly rebellious against Christ, hateful against Christ and all who followed him. And Barnabas was willing to love the unlovely. What are, what are some ways that we can encourage one another with words? We, we can do that. He didn't take the wait-and-see approach. Ecclesiastes 10.12 says, The words of a wise man's mouth are gracious. Proverbs 16.24 says, Pleasant words are as an honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Proverbs 16.21 says, The sweetness of the lips increaseth learning. You see, truth taught in an encouraging manner is effective. Barnabas demonstrated this Old Testament truth in his life. He went looking for Saul, found him, and brought him into the church there at Antioch where he taught much people for one year. And what were the results of Barnabas' attitude and example of encouragement? Look at the end of verse 26. The end of verse number 26, and the disciples were called Christians first in Antioch. You know, you know what a Christian is? A Christian is a little Christ. That's what the word Christian means, a little Christ. Here's the result of Barnabas' encouragement in Saul's life and in the church's life there in Antioch. The result was Christ-likeness was seen in that church. So much so that people who weren't saved looked at the believers there at Antioch and said, Christians... Little Christ, that's what they were calling them. It was kind of a term of derision in some ways. It wasn't meant to be a compliment. And and, and that was a result. Christ-likeness in that church was a result 
in large part to one man who was an encourager. Was an encourager. Finally, an encourager seeks to bring restoration. Uh, an encourager seeks to bring restoration. Look over to chapter 15, would you? Chapter 15 this evening. We're living in a time, we're living in a time of believers falling away to some degree. People are slowing down. Some get weary in well-doing. Some just give up. And, and we're, we're, not to, we're not to do that. We're not to fall into that rut. Um, Galatians chapter 6 and verse 1 says, If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one with a spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill ye the law of Christ, the law of love. Uh, an encourager seeks to bring restoration. They don't give up. I believe it was back in the 1990s that British Airways Flight 5390 experienced a high-altitude crisis. The pilot of the passenger plane was sucked out of the cabin window onto the nose cone of the jet after its windshield blew out at 23,000 feet. What took place next really was incredible. The pilot was Captain Timothy Lancaster and had just pointed to his house in Abingdon, uh, England, when a loud explosion blew out the windshield. Pressurized air bursting from inside the plane pulled the captain of the plane partway out of the window while in flight. Outside, the 320-mile-per-hour airstream bent the upper half of his body back against the jet's fuselage. Several of the aircraft's 81 passengers said they watched in horror as crew members frantically wrestled to pull the pilot back into the cockpit. At one point, the crew was faced with a terrible possibility. Would they have to push their captain out to free up the controls? The co-pilot shook his head and shouted to the others, Hold on if you possibly can. They were able to readjust the captain's body just enough to fly the plane. The jet went into a dive, and with half of of Captain Lancaster's body hanging outside, the co-pilot flew the aircraft towards Southampton Airport, 70 miles southwest of London. Crew members who clung to his ankles were encouraged by the co-pilot who kept yelling, Hold on with all your might, we're almost there. He finally landed the plane safely in southern England. Mr. Lancaster, Captain Lancaster, was taken to the hospital suffering from shock, a fractured elbow and wrist, and frostbite to one hand. But he lived. You know, an encourager seeks to hold on, to bring restoration. Barnabas rescued John Mark. Look here in in Acts chapter 15 and verse 36. Verse 36. The Bible says, And some days after Paul said unto Barnabas, Let us go again and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they do. So now Saul's name has been changed to Paul. He and Barnabas are still serving the Lord together. Verse 37. And Barnabas determined to take with them John, whose surname was Mark. John Mark was his name. But Paul thought not good of it to take with them, who departed from them from Pamphylia, And went not with them to the work. And the contention was so sharp between them, Paul and and, and Barnabas, that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark, John Mark, and sailed unto Cyprus. And Paul chose Silas and departed being recommended by the brethren under the grace of God. 
What do we find here? We find that the man Barnabas, who had been such an encourager to Saul, had reached out to him, who had loved him when he was unlovely. There came a point in their ministry together where, where uh, Barnabas and Saul, or Paul, disagreed on, on a certain individual who was going to minister with them, a, a man by the name of John Mark. And John Mark apparently had been weak at some point. He'd not been as faithful as Paul thought he should have been. And Barnabas said, hey, let's bring John Mark. And Paul said, I don't want anything to do with John Mark. He's not coming with us. He's not coming with me. And the contention grew so intense that they actually broke up into two different groups. Paul went with Silas. Barnabas went with John Mark. And they went different directions. Uh, Barnabas just was that merciful encourager that wouldn't give up on anybody kind of guy. And, and I believe there are fellow believers all around us that could be rescued with some timely effort and some words of encouragement. Lives and souls, I could say, are in jeopardy all around us. A friend's marriage is imploding. A brother is being sucked back into old ways. A sister in Christ has messed up many times and begs the question, do we continue to help her or just, do we just move on? We need to refuse to give up on them, and we need to hold on if we possibly can. Barnabas restored John Mark. At the end of Paul's ministry, he asked Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul asked Timothy to bring John Mark with him. Listen to this. He says, only Luke is with me, Paul writes. Take Mark and bring him with thee, for he is profitable for me for the ministry. I wonder what would have happened to John Mark. Paul didn't have any use for him anymore. Okay, Paul was moving on. Paul was a godly man, but he was moving on. Barnabas wasn't willing to give up on him. And, and, and they disagreed, seriously disagreed. But Barnabas wouldn't give up on him. You know, I wonder what would have happened to John Mark if Barnabas just would have gone along with Paul and just said, you know what, yeah, he wasn't very faithful, let's go on. I wonder what would have happened to John Mark. I don't know. But I know this. Barnabas wouldn't give up on him. He was an encourager. He loved the unlovely. He wouldn't stop encouraging other believers. And I believe God used Barnabas to be a great help to John Mark to the point where there came a day in Paul's life where he said, hey, you bring John Mark with you because he's profitable for the ministry. Hey, let's be a church of encouragers, okay? Let's encourage one another. Let's, uh, let's encourage our spouse. Do that, would you? Encourage your children. Hey, hey, kids, encourage your mom and dad. They really could use that sometimes. Encourage them. Compliment them. Say nice things. Uh, let's, let's let God use us to be an encouragement. Because I really believe from, from Barnabas' life that being an encourager could accomplish a whole lot more than you and I might at first glance think. God can use us.